Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's November 13th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and Dave Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We certainly hope that everyone enjoyed this past week and most of all stayed safe. It has been an amazing week uh, for us. We'll hear more about that later. Uh, we have a few announcements. Uh, the first announcement is that while the members at Local Union 9 of the UAW remain locked out, uh, they do have a uh, agreement before them and that voting was held on November 12th. The results of that election are the vote was rejected. Number two, the passage of the Trans-Pacific Partnership was declared no longer attainable. We want to thank everyone, I mean everyone, who stood up to this trade agreement as being bad for both labor and the America as well. So, uh, third announcement is Unifor agreement with Ford in Canada passed by 58%. We'll hear more on those details as uh, our uh, uh, friend there uh, uh, is uh, back in country, who is uh, out of country and uh, uh, unavailable tonight to recap all of those. But we, we look forward to a recap from our friend in Canada. Um, number, f- uh, number four, General Motors announced shift closings and layoffs at of approximately 800 100 members, respectively, at Lordstown and Lansing Grand River. General Motors has stated they will attempt to place the laid, the laid off workers. Again, that's 800 members, respectively, at each Lords, Lordstown and at Lansing Grand River, and the third shift is being uh, eliminated, according to the press. Uh, number five, General Motors also announced a uh, $667.6 million investment in the Toledo transmission plant. With that, the retention of 739 jobs. We like to hear such good news as retention of jobs and the investment here in the United States by General Motors. Thank you. Uh, the Teamster election is a mail-in election. Ballots must have been postmarked by the uh, November 9th and received by Monday, tomorrow, November 14th. We look forward to the results from that election and we'll be posting those on our Working for a Living Facebook page as we um, uh, get get those in. So uh, we do have a friend there, Fred Zuckerman, so we're kind of uh, hoping he uh, prevails in that election for a number of reasons. Uh, not the least of which the Central States uh, Pension Fund had to do their own work to try and save it, and that was really unacceptable by the current Seamster leadership. So we look forward to a Zuckerman uh, administration there that will not allow that to occur, as he's indicated uh, previously. So number seven. Uh, as everyone knows, we had an election last week, and Jeff Brown will be recapping that later during his report. Lots going on there. Uh, we had one email uh, from our friend Herb in Florida. Wow, what an election week. I think that says it all, Herb. Thank you for your time, effort, and energy to get that in there. So with that said, uh, let me bring on Jeff Brown here. Uh, we have a number of people in the switchboard and Jeff is one of them. Uh, welcome to the show tonight, Jeff. How are you doing? How was your week? Hey, I'm, I'm good, Leroy. Thank you. Um, yeah. How great. are you? Well, I'm great. Uh, we had a beautiful day here. It's been 
uh, other than election day, it's been uh, sunny and just gorgeous. Temperatures are dropping, you know, uh, for the last 10 days. We had just, you know, uh, uh, sunny skies, and it's just a real nice nice time to be here living in, in uh, mid-Michigan. You know, I guess you probably had the same stuff we've had, but and we've been busy. Lots going on. Uh, you know, the election we'll hear more about, but uh, uh, my candidates were pretty successful in my whole county. We'll discuss that a little bit in your report. So uh, let me bring David on. Uh, David Fillion. Hello, David. Hey, Leroy, how are you, how you doing? doing? Pretty good. good. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. David, how are you? Good. Good. Well, that's good. We're, you know, we're having a good day here in mid-Michigan and down in there south of Detroit where uh, Jeff Brown lives. Uh, well, uh, we have some uh, news uh, this week, and before we get to that, uh, I've been talking about a quote last week we had Einstein's one of Einstein's quote here he has another one this is in regard to politics uh so well before we get to the topics uh we'll just say his uh quote regarding topics or uh, politics um i am by heritage a jew by citizenship a swiss and by makeup a human being and only a human being without any special attachment to any state or national entity whatsoever. Quoted by Einstein, Albert Einstein. So uh, you can see he thought of himself as just sort of a neutralist. Uh, Interesting. uh, One of the most intelligent people ever uh, was a a neutralist uh, when it came to politics. So, um, and he did... He did that pretty much with all of his work. So having said that, uh, Jeff, uh, you have a report on the election and a little discussion afterwards. We'll have that. Do you want to start with your report tonight? Well, yeah, I think Herb is absolutely correct. What an election. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> it, yeah. it really, you know, it was a very unusual election year, um, without a doubt, with all the different rallies and and protests and some of the violence that happened during the campaign, um, the marches, um, it was just ugly. Now, I've said this before in a couple shows now, this whole election year was just plain ugly. Um, I think the Democrats did it to themselves by rigging the primaries. I think um, they got a long way to go to earn the people's trust. Republicans, on the other hand, a lot of the big names in the Republican Party, past and present, um, supporters didn't support their candidate for one reason or another, and that is, was very unusual. Um, it just, it just amazes. Just, I am, I am at a loss for words. I watched the whole uh, presidential election results come in Tuesday night, and I find it hard to believe until three o'clock in the morning, the city of Detroit votes were not even uh, announced yet. And by that time, Trump was already declared the winner. Well, why the city of Detroit didn't have their votes finalized? I don't know why. And Trump's got a long way to go. Um, we are seeing protests throughout the country against his election, which... I feel in my mind that if either party lost, there was going to be a protest, mass protest in every city. Um, so, but I'm all in favor of protest, kind of figure of freedom of speech, but I don't agree with the violence going on. Okay, Dr. King's video. He, he was all in favor of 
peaceful protest. And that's what I believe in, too. Um, but it's not going to change anything. Um, it's not going to make your position easier to understand. You just, you just don't want to burn your cities down and, and, and other things like that. Yesterday, here in the uh, Ann Arbor area, there was a Muslim woman uh, affronted by a what the newspapers around here in Detroit are claiming as a filthy, homeless-looking man um, walked up to her and told her to take her jihad off or he would burn her, catch her on fire. She took it off. So these type of incidents should not be going on. We see it many times in the Trump campaign as there's rallies where he encouraged, encouraged violence. Even if Trump was not a Republican or, or just a member of any party, just some of the things he said in the campaign I couldn't support. Um, the only thing I did support about Trump was uh, free trade agreement. But I'm not the type of person who's going to support somebody who tells me I make too much money as an auto worker and I need to take a pay cut. Okay? Um, that's just my view. My my congresswoman, Debbie Dingell, a few days before the election, uh, informed the DNC that she is hearing that Mrs. Clinton was going to have a hard time winning her district, the 16th district here in Michigan. And it went on deaf ears. Um, Hillary did it to herself. I don't mind. Um, some of my coworkers, you know, many of my UAW coworkers and friends um, voted for Mr. Trump. And it just, I don't you know, I'm not going to tell anybody how to vote. They voted what they felt was the best for them. And I ex- expressed that same feeling a couple months ago. Vote for the person you think is going to do the best job. And so now we're in all kinds of accusations about Russia being involved um, and other things like that. I don't pay attention to all this stuff. It's just getting us more divided as a country. And that's not where we need to be. We need to be uh, united. And I hope Mr. Trump does that. You know, he's now saying he's going to support the gay and lesbian community. Um, His ideas on the fence on the wall is slightly different different from before the election. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here like Rush Limbaugh and and hope that he fails because if he fails, the country fails. I don't want the country to fail. I want it to go get better, better for my kids, better for my grandkids. Um, but that it all depends on what Mr. Trump does. Um Gandhi made a quote, our future depends on what we do today. And that's very true. Um, I don't know what else to say, but this was one very ugly presidential campaign year, election year. And I hope we don't see this anymore. Um, It's just... Getting out of hand, folks. We got both sides. You got to put it together and and be as one. And I hope we can do that. Leroy, that's about all I got. Okay, Jeff. You there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was muted, so I didn't. Uh, first of all, let me thank everybody in the switchboard for calling in this evening. If you have any comment that you choose to make. Uh, you know, we'll we'll you know put you in screening mode. But what you do is uh, uh, press one on your keypad, and that will 
uh, let me know that you want to talk, and then we'll we'll uh, you know I'll come over and find out what you want to discuss, and then bring you on. All right. So that's how that works. Uh, David, do you have anything that you want to uh, uh, add to Jeff's report? Um, I will in a minute. Um, Leroy, I have a member request right now um, okay. from a retiree. He has um, been retired um, for three years now. He's 57 years of age. He's concerned okay. about his pension and wants you to explain to him um, the Pension Protection Act language and how it may affect him. Okay. Uh, I can do that. Um, it's uh, something that uh, we have been attempting to stop by and through appeals that started a year ago. Uh, the Pension Protection Act of 2006 uh, is uh, an act that we, as an organization opposed to the UAW, uh, opposed this, and most of labor opposed it. Uh, in that language, it has provisions for uh, funding levels if they fall below 80% that your pension could be reduced by uh, 50%. If the funding levels fall below 60%, your pension could be reduced by uh, 100%. And the funding currently is around 85% as calculated by the uh, uh, Department of Labor and a little over 100% as calculated by the UAW. So there is some, you know, discrepancy there. Uh, it's uh, something uh, that the, you saw the uh, the central states Teamsters pensions uh, be appealed when they were about to trigger some of these levels. And they appealed the Secretary of Treasury and they prevailed. And that was done. You heard me mention it earlier about the Teamsters being left to languish. But this, this was done by the uh, retired uh, elected officials and international reps that they have with the Teamsters or, or national reps that they have with the Teamsters, uh, in particular a gentleman up in Minnesota that spearheaded that and brought everybody together and was successful in appealing that. And that was not in their contract language. Um, the uh, difference between them and us is that they're a multi- employer pension and we're a single employer pension. Each pension on the Detroit 3 is separate and apart from the other. Unlike the VIVA that's been combined and has just a different accounting for each of the uh, the Detroit 3, but that's now been combined. So uh, the VIVA is our health care trust. Uh, in the 2011 agreement, uh, it was put into the contract, and you can find this. This isn't something I'm just pulling out of my hat. This is on the UAW website. Go and look at the agreement that deals with pensions, and I think it's around page 40 uh, that you can find the area where pensions, uh, the corporations have been relieved from adding any money after 2008 to the pension plans. So uh, that would certainly include you uh, if you've been retired three years. Uh, of course, that would be 2013 approximately. So they're not required to add any pension uh, monies. They've been relieved of that. Uh, the other thing that is now in the agreement, in black letter print, contractually in the agreement, is 
very pertinent information from the Pension Protection Act, which is 390 pages long in its entirety, but the pertinent information regarding the reductions of benefits based on funding limitations is as I've just mentioned to you. Now, that's been placed in our agreement. That's been placed in our agreement. Uh, as we have that in the agreement, that does not allow us the opportunity to, as the Teamsters did, or the building trades that might be part of that central states pension fund, as they did, appeal to the Secretary of Treasury. This is in now in our agreement and will be automatic once pension funding falls below a certain level. Now, we're dealing with three different documents. We're dealing with the uh, Pension Protection Act of 2006 in its entirety, 390 pages. We're dealing with a summary, about 32 pages, and we're dealing with our contract, negotiated contract, collective bargaining agreement. Those three documents. And in the summary, where all of this has been taken and copied and pasted from that into our agreement, the summary says, okay, and they refer to the, the uh, summary, it says that the funding levels have to be maintained at a certain level. But the contract, which is automatic trigger, says they've been relieved, in the case of General Motors at least, they've been relieved of any future funding obligation. They're done. They don't have more money in it. So we're at the, the while of the market, whatever that is. The market can, if it constricts in any, you know, even a little bit, you can see this some, somehow, if it's the, the federal government, Department of Labor, Department of Treasury, say you're now funded below 80%, and then you get half of what you were getting. Now, that's, there's, it's qualified. You get half of the lesser of your, your pension or as calculated by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. That's the thing that we used to have that was the fallback for us. Whatever that is, okay, you, you know, we used to get that, but now if your pension, half of your pension is less than that, that's what you get. So they've circumvented the uh, ability for the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation to actually protect us with this law. Again, this is in our agreement in black letter print. There are two active appeals at the General Motors level, or at General Motors, at the Public Review Board level. That's the highest internal uh, appeal step that we have. There's two of those that are active. Both of these are by gentlemen, members, brothers, very strong-minded, well-meaning, good, loyal union brothers who care about the membership, that they have put these in, and both of them are at the Public Review Board. We will have oral argument on those pretty soon, we expect. Um, now, they would say, and they're going to argue that the law says that the corporations have to put funding money in, funding. Well, General Motors is going to point to the agreement and say, no, we don't. We have it in our agreement that we don't. And as many of you may know, I was the lead soul in the end. Uh, somebody copied and pasted, but they dismissed him. Uh, he's now been murdered in his sleep, by the way, Pablo Lopez. Um, uh, I was just the uh, first, uh, at least the initial uh, 
uh, intervening plaintiff trying to stop the VIVA. So I followed that from the time that they put it into being, attempted to, through the end of that at the appellate level, I was down in Cincinnati, Ohio, and sat in court while they decided. Uh, they said that all the law was adhered to and this was a good agreement. And that was in 2008 and affirmed in district court after it had been renegotiated in 2009, early 2009. So once they did that, they found out that they weren't in compliance with the law in two instances. And this will come full circle. You'll find out why the VIVA is effect will have the potential and likely affect our Pension uh, Protection Act language that's in our agreement. Because it was in the agreement, they found later that there were two laws that they had violated. And what did they do? The UAW, General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, in concert, go to the Department of Labor and ask ERISA for a waiver because they put stock in the, from the companies into the, the fund in violation of the Enron rule where they couldn't have all of the same stock in a, in a benefit pro, uh, plan. So, And then they had a problem with the EEOC Department uh, of the Department of Labor branch in that they had to provide the same health care for retirees, older people, as they did for younger active people. So what they did is go to both of these entities and ask for a waiver and got it because it was already negotiated in a collective bargaining agreement, notwithstanding that yours truly wrote an 84-page document and sent to the Department of Labor in opposition of these with a lot of merit. But they simply said, these are in the collective bargaining agreements and we're going to grant a waiver for that. So let's move forward into our pension plan. Should they say, that yes, you must fund this pension at a certain level. The Department of Labor and somebody says, oh, let's look at the law. Because it's already in our collective bargaining agreement, at least in General Motors, that we do not have any more funding. The corporation has been relieved of its obligation to fund the pension. It's in the agreement. Because of that, they can just go again and ask for a waiver of all of the ERISA law and likely be granted that. So uh, having said that, uh, uh, that's what we can look forward to. If this appeal is not successful, it does not prevail, this language will be in the agreement. Now, we appealed it on two uh, premises, primarily on two premises. And one is that they allowed people not in the pension plan to vote on it. Not only did they allow them to vote on it, that's what we're talking about, what the folks are members that are called Tier 2. That's a whole other subject that we really oppose. But, uh, the idea that they're making less money and not in the pension and, and health care and retirement is just un, unconscionable. They should be uh, offered that benefit in, a, in an auto company like that. But they're not, and they voted on our pension plan. Uh, the uh, ERISA law says that it it exists for the protection 
of members of uh, benefit plans. That's why they exist. That's early on in the language, second paragraph. So we've held our hat on that and the idea that we have uh, 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 that to hang, hang, you know, to uh, hang our hat on. We've got a number of calls coming in. I'm sorry, folks. This, we're not on just a regular radio station. I get interrupted here a little bit, but uh, so uh, we have that. That uh, they not only allowed them to vote, but they incentivized them uh, to vote. And as they incentivized them to vote. Uh, you know, it's tantamount to going out and finding a homeless person on the corner, come in that's not a part of the pension plan, offer him $20,000 a year was what they offered him, and please vote yes. So you get your money. If you vote yes, you get that money. And that's just simply wrong. Okay. The other thing is that we uh, challenge them on is uh, um, the uh, – Pittsburgh Plate Glass versus Chemical, Allied Chemical Workers, is a case from 1971 of the Supreme Court that said we should not uh, uh, negotiate negatively for retirees. You may negotiate for future retirees, but not for existing retirees in a negative way. You can always get them more, but you can't get them less. That's effectiveness. The effect of uh, meaning of the, their their ruling. Now, the UAW has held that that's only for health care. But in reading the decision, it was broad and uh, stated that it could be for wages, working conditions, and hours of employment. Uh, I believe Justice Brennan wrote that majority decision. So he included those in his decision. So we cited that in an effort to try and stop them from from putting this language in our agreement because it certainly is negative to existing retirees. As in your case, you retired in 2013, you're an existing retiree, and they put this in the agreement in 2015. Most assuredly, after 2008, they don't have to put money in the pension anymore. So... Is your pension at risk based on the whims of the market, up or down? The answer is yes. But we're fighting it. We're fighting it for you, brother. I, I assume it's uh, a brother that called in, David. So uh, I hope it that is. answered the question. Yeah, I hope that answered the question. So... Uh, is there anything that you want to add or Jeff wants to add to that description? No, I don't. No, you pick it up. Okay. All right. So, I mean, everybody's read all of these documents. I've, I've written the original appeal to be put in. I put it in my own local and they just ignored it. Uh, you know, we can only have so many of these you know, charges of Article 31, 2 or 3 on these people running at one time. But uh, they just ignored it. Uh, others said that they were untimely. Uh, and there's two left. But there are strong appeals. I've written 25 pages at the IEB, and a 20, uh, that 25 plus 22 more at the Public Review Board. So... This has been handled as good as humanly possible. I have been uh, um, in concert with uh, sidewalk calls from legal authorities that I know, uh, and we talked originally to pension rights attorney, and she gave us a lot of direction on how to proceed and we have proceeded accordingly. We have gotten good counsel in, in uh, as we've written this. Based on all that, I've been the one to, to, to do it all. Uh, it's been approved by all, our team before we sent them in, you know, and uh, so everybody got a chance to read it and proof it, and then we got them in. So uh, you can thank this team 
and the two people that have filed this. There was no appeal in Ford, and we were we didn't re- recognize the problem during the Chrysler uh, shakeout of the, the uh, uh, collective bargaining of the tentative agreement uh, for the collective bargaining agreement uh, last fall when this was all going on. So there's a General Motors appeal. We have written it uh, in with a broad scope, so we're asking this to be applied to any and all contracts so affected, specifically the, the Ford and the uh, FCA, the Chrysler, yeah, Chrysler. So we'll see where that all goes. Um, it's, it's very, very dangerous to have this in our collective bargaining agreement. It has no business. We don't have the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation language in the agreement. We don't have ERISA in the agreement, but this damning legislation we have in our agreement. And it's optional to put it in. The law does not require it to be put in the bargaining agreement. It is optional. Having said that, that's all I got on that on that matter. Uh, I, I hope you can pass the word along. You know, especially remember, 19 months from now, there's going to be an election. And do you want the people that did this to you to remain in office? Or do you want for, to run for convention delegate in an effort to try and remove them to be successful as a convention delegate and go support team working for a living? Because we're going full bore to make this happen, to re- remove and replace those folks that did this to us with new people that won't allow that to happen ever again. Never. All right. So, uh, uh, it's, uh, I can't tell you how, how much this means to the membership. You know, people say, gosh, you guys are just out there beating your your drum just to hear yourself talk. That is not the case. There are hundreds of hours in the development of the appeal and the subsequent steps of this appeal, hundreds of hours for the benefit of the membership. None of us got paid a stinking dime for this. Not one penny. We're doing it for the benefit of the membership. Not just the Detroit Three, but any and all contracts this affects. There's some things that got to change in our union and in our country, and that's about to happen. So, with that said, uh, uh, David, do you? I know you uh, reserved your right to, to comment on. Uh, just report. I hope I answered the brother's question and all the members' questions regarding this issue. I appreciate the question. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, nothing I have to add to just report is um, my voting experience um, here in uh, the district I live in, which is 87, and Congressional District 3. Um, voting for me was fairly simple. Um, I was able to vote for President of the United States, um, voting down ticket. Um, I was only able to vote for um, District 87 um, House of Representatives candidate. Um, All the rest um, were vacant slots. Um, Then uh, I was able to uh, vote for Millage continuation for Charlton Park, which is a historic museum. And uh, that was the extent of my voting, other than um, well, being able to vote for um, the college issues. Um, there were Democrats there to vote for. But the um, Democratic Party needs to do a better job in District 87 of. Uh, representing um, candidates that they put on the ticket. Um, these candidates don't see, don't receive any support from the party, 
And because of that fact, no Democrat has held District 87 House of Representatives position or seat since 1970. That's not good. Not good. That's great. And and we see that out in your district when we go into your district and see how uh, uh, that it's so partisan there. It's not bipartisan in any any way, uh, and it's it's kind of sad to see such a uh, nearly dictatorship, uh, certainly autocratic, or, you know. So in these areas, uh, rural areas that seem to just think they're right and they'll do what they want in a totalitarian manner. Uh, it's just really, really sad. So we're seeing that in that area where uh, David lives. I've been involved in some things out there. We're actually trying to reach out to the community and make some of these communities better. Uh, as as union people, if we go in there in some of these troubled areas that have so many just uh, one-sided uh, political electorate uh, and give some balance to it and so that they can see that there are other ideas. Uh, I know David's working on his lake board out there and is really working hard. I've supported him in that, and we we like to see some, uh, you know, unilateral, or not unilateral, but uh, bipartisan uh, things going on. And unfortunately, a lot of it's unilateral. They just make their decision, and you have to live by it. And now we're we're challenging some of those things out there in that that area that's so partisan. So. Um, I'm going to follow up a little bit. We're getting long here uh, uh, with uh, uh, um, Jeff's uh, report. Uh, in my own area, uh, I believe it's uh, Sam Singh's our house rep. I think it's 69. Uh, and uh, he has uh, um, now been elected to house rep, and he's been elected leader of the house. Sam Singh is an amazing uh, man, uh, and we're happy to have him representing us as leader of the House in the state of Michigan for the Democratic Party. Leader, minority leader, that is. So he's not the Speaker of the House. Uh, we're happy to have that. All of the countywides here got elected by 60% or better. Um, the township got elected by all the Democrats there, 60% or better. The county commissioners, uh, I believe there are 10 of 15 that are Democrats, and they all got elected by 60% or better. Uh, and uh, that's uh, pretty amazing. We get a lot of parks people, and, and uh, millages seem to pass that were making sense locally. There was a renewal. Uh, so we, we got... You know, in our county, uh, the uh, top of the ticket got 60% for Hillary uh, in our county here. Our congressional district, uh, uh, Scarelli is her name. She got 60% in Ingham County where I'm at. This, this, This didn't just happen. There's been a lot of work by a lot of good people. I have been involved in politics in this area for decades. And this past election cycle, I started about 18 months ago, and we started working on the township that we had some trouble with. I won't go into that because we're going to try and stay positive on the, the incoming people, and all those people that served did it for decades, and we thank them for their service if they're moving on. We worked there on the township. I worked in East Lansing, the city of East Lansing, to help them get a club and that energized that group. They were being denied, and I went down and saw to it that they got their club. And we won't go into that tonight, but that's quite a story in and of itself. And in the primary, my candidate that lost even though he lost, he energized the city of Lansing 
because he literally ran door to door every night, five nights a week, sometimes six, and ran. He's an athlete, a young man, he's an attorney, ran for prosecutor. He energized the city. All of those things combined, and a lot of hard work by a lot of people, in and of themselves, caused this election to be virtually 60% for working men and women. Everybody that I have mentioned, with few exceptions, were endorsed by the local UAW. When you go out and do the work required, you can be successful. You can't sit back and allow this to languish without some direction. And believe me, when we get these people elected and they have the UAW endorsement and they see the check come in, you know, I got text messages. Look at this check. Look at this check. I got a check. But more importantly, they got our support. And all we ever really ask is that we have their ear when there's something going on We want to be able to present our position. There are none of these candidates that are not their own person. They're all strong, independent people. And on the issues that we hold dear, all we ever ask is that we go and talk to them and be able to have an audience with them. And after we present our case, if we haven't done a good job, then they're free to go and do what they think is right for the community. And there are times when our, our position wasn't felt that it was best for the community, and they'd vote against us. And that happens from time to time. But all too often, some of the people in power are not held to account because they seem to lose the idea that we've, we're still there. We're the ones that got them there. We have that going on in one of the universities that, that allowed scab labor to come in on one of their projects, and we're going to deal with it. We've been in communication with the AFL-CIO, and there's people in position that are going to get a real hard talking to and the next time they're up, they're likely not going to be there. We're not putting up with it. This administration, when we take the lead of the UAW, will work with our union brothers and sisters and other unions, and we will not allow this stuff to go on. You heard me say that in my county, Virtually 60% of all of the people that the UAW endorsed got elected. Again, that took a lot of work. Took guidance and leadership, too, from somebody who was a past CAP coordinator, past chair of the Democratic Party, to motivate people to do the right thing, to give them direction. I take that to the national level with me when that time comes. Now, having said that, I want to talk a little bit about the presidential race. And I want to give due credit to a coach of mine who brought to my attention a man by the name of Howard Schwartz. Dick Dangent made me aware of Howard Schwartz. And we discussed the opportunities that Howard Schwartz presented us with in a book called Society Against Itself. In that book, he talks about political correctness over time will fail. And once you have a candidate that starts talking about, I'm not going to be politically correct, That candidate will be a populist candidate. We had two in this election. And some time ago, 
we had discussed that one of the two candidates would be elected president. Bernie Sanders was one of them, and Donald Trump was the other. That were taking on the administration, not being politically correct. Now, I got to tell you, in no way do we justify or condone what he's done to this nation in legitimizing racism. But that's why he got elected. He got elected because he became a populist because of the ideology of Howard Schwartz saying the candidates that say, I'm going to take on the administration, I'm not going to be politically correct, will win. And that's why we have Donald Trump, 70-year-old man, who will serve probably eight years, as four out of five of the past presidents have done, to the age of 78. Now, hopefully, we can work with him. There's been some articles that have been brought up that in the past he's actually been a liberal. When I heard he was running, I was actually a little surprised that he was running as a Republican, quite frankly. As I recall some comments uh, in the in video and on the Letterman show and some things that he had made where he leaned to the left but donated fully maxed out to both parties. So we'll see. Whatever the case is, we have to do our level best to govern from a minority position. I made this comment on our page earlier this week. This is not going to be fun. We've been having to do it here in Michigan for a number of years. We have a one-party system, Republican House, Senate, and Governor, and they can do anything they want to us, and they have been. we got right to work here under this. So that's kind of why it all happened. Um, and it isn't because they were all that good and had to do with, you know, they stood out as not being, you know, politically correct. So uh, having said that, uh, that's all I have on on uh, Jeff's report. We're getting long. David, you want to talk about uh, your report real quick? And then because I gave this other one, I'm going to debate what I was going to talk about because it's real long and we don't want to go over that long tonight. I would be I would be okay to go along Leroy. I want to um go into uh, your report. Um I'll be short and 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 uh on uh this plank. Um I would like to thank you for allowing me to uh present our first plank. Um that first plank is ethos. Um ethos labor ethos is what we're speaking to. Um, it is the first plank being presented of our uh, caucus. Um, that means the guiding beliefs of a person, group, or an organization. Distinguishing character, sentiment, moral nature, and guiding beliefs of a person, group, or an institution. Um, as uh, FOS means, Customer character in Greek, as originally used by Aristotle. I thought you would like that, Leroy. Yeah, um, one of my favorites, yeah. Um, in the UAW, we are an organization, and we're going to return to labor ethos under our administration. And those ethos are hours of work, working conditions, and wages. Um, speaking to wages, we're not in the business of keeping corporations profitable. We're in the business of extracting from labor the most money from, from, for the benefit from of our members. Pardon? From corporations. Okay. From corporations, extracting from um, corporations, yeah, for the benefit of our members, and at a lower, at the lowest possible hours worked. 
in the best working conditions possible. So that is um, what ethos is. It is what we will work for to the benefit of every member in this United Auto Workers Union. That's all I have on that, Leroy. Okay. Jeff, do you have anything to talk about on David's report about labor ethos or ethos? I mean, no, I do not. It's been pronounced ethos. Okay. Um, we Go ahead, Jeff. No, I don't have anything to say. You're right. Oh, okay. I thought you were jumping in again. All right. So labor ethos is our first plank, as as David has aptly uh, put, put out there in his report. It's the guiding principles of any organization. And it's quite clear that a labor organization exists by and through the members that it represents to represent them in the best possible way for, uh, I would call, ever more, never less. I know there's times when they have to have concessions, but they shouldn't have clawback agreements whenever there's concessions. So we we will operate as a, as a caucus, working for a living, as a team for the membership, the benefit of the membership with labor ethos in mind at all times. So thank you for that report, David. Um, you know, we're we're four minutes from the end of the typically the end of the show here and I gotta tell you my report's twenty minutes long, maybe twenty five. And I've already given a full report on this other I I really uh, you know, we, we try to keep it to an hour. Uh, I know you want to hear that report this week, David, but, um, I, you know, I, I don't think we want to, you know, just stretch the listeners' uh, ears that far. It's just quite a bit that we've laid upon them tonight. So um, I think I'll, I'll abate that uh, until next week. We can just uh, not abate it, but postpone it until next week. Because um, we've got a lot of people that have said we like to keep it at an hour, so we'll we'll do that tonight. Um, uh, Jeff, do you have anything else at all to offer to the listeners this evening? Um, no, just enjoy this mild weather weather we are having in Michigan. Have a safe week. Uh, look out for one another, and we'll see you right back here next Sunday. Okay. Thank you. Uh, David, do you have anything to add to the, so nope. to the listeners? And, okay. I'll say the same thing that uh, Jeff said. You know, I want you to stay safe throughout the week, uh, the coming week. Um, try to keep, uh, you've heard brothers talk on the show this evening about the violence and the protests. If you need feel the need to protest, go ahead and do it. Try and keep the violence, you know, at bay. Just not do it. It's not good for anybody to be doing these, you know, sort of things. We had a junior high school attack a few minority students in the junior high school chanting things at them, and that's just simply unacceptable. Uh, so please, please keep a positive attitude. He is our president-elect, and he's going to be our president for at least four years, maybe more. We don't know. Uh, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we have to try and work with them. Labor has to do that, and uh, we'll, we'll do what we can behind the scenes here as a, um, you know, a uh, working for a living team that's not in in uh, authority yet. But we'll, we'll do some things to try and work with him, and see to it that our agenda as working men and women is forwarded. So we don't, you know, we don't have the office yet, but we're, we're assuming office pretty soon, and we're acting that way. So, uh, Having said that, uh, if you've found any value in the show this evening, please tell just one, one more person. That's how we grow. Uh, also, I want to thank everybody in the switchboard this evening that was listening. Uh, I see a few of you have dropped off, and I assume that that's because 
you were waiting for my answer on the pensions, uh, and I hope that we answered that properly. So, But thank you for coming in and listening to the show via calling in. So we appreciate that a lot. Um, and all of you that remain here, we, we thank you for being here. Um, we uh, like to make a shardy, uh, hearty shout-out to Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, Lordstown, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Doraville, Santa Cruz, California, out there to the teacher's assistance, and everyone else around the country and the world who listen in, especially our friends in Canada and in Mexico. Appreciate that. Listeners, good night. Stay safe. Have a great week coming up, and uh, we wish you the very best. I'll say good night to Je- David and Jeff. Good night, brothers, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night, fellas. Good night, guys. Jeff. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.